Hey, hey, and welcome back to Maya Matters. I'm Tessa Verrier, your host, and today we are excited to talk with Anna Drum from Capability Health from far north Queensland who has battled COVID, regional town issues, and the unknown of the myotherapy profession to develop her clinic into a multimodality health clinic which supports her local community. During this episode, we discuss the challenges of remote regions, the changes to our industry, and how Anna hasn't let things stop her from making a difference within her community. This episode of Myo Matters is proudly sponsored by Red Coral, your premium needle suppliers. For further information, check them out at redcoralpremiumneedles.com forward slash Australia. On today's podcast, guys, we welcome Anna Drum to Myo Matters. So welcome, Anna, from very far north Queensland today. Thank you for having me. It is so lovely to have you on and really lovely to actually see some clinics that are outside of any kind of city centres within anywhere in Australia. So um, some of you may have heard Anna on our Myotherapy Australia conference this year on our panel, but I thought it would be really great for us to have a chat with Anna about her clinic and expand a little bit of things as well. So Anna, can you have a chat to us? Give us a little bit of idea of where your clinic is actually located in far north Queensland and what drove you to kind of open in that region? Okay, so I guess it was quite a few years ago, we moved from uh, Victoria, I grew up in Shepparton, and we decided that we'd like to do a little bit of travelling, so we decided to uh, come to far north Queensland in a remote mining town called Weeper. We've been here for around 15 years, and when we first came to town, I guess there was um, no kind of private sector for remedial massage, myotherapy, physio. Uh, and things like that. So, yeah, I sort of started um, to work here. We sort of didn't really have uh, in mind how long we were going to stay for. It was kind of, you know, maybe one or two years and um, (laughs) three kids later and 15 years we're still here now. I guess, you know, it was just an opportunity for me to sort of start my career. So we graduated in in the June from um, the Institute of Tate and Mm-hmm. Yeah, moved to Weeper in the October and I guess um, people were just happy to, to have some kind of service here that, you know, that they weren't used to having. So that's kind of where we started from there. And what are the things that you enjoy about treating and being in, I guess, a more remote kind of town? In general, yeah, you know, to access services, Cairns is the, the closest town. It's about 900 kilometres that is not close at all no um we have a a public health system here hospital queensland health and they have a physio there but you know the wait lists and things like that to get in so i guess uh people in weeper are now educated in what my therapy is and i think people just appreciate having access to services it's rewarding in being able to to assist people with whatever needs they they need to come and see us for musculoskeletal, um, mm. all kinds of things. I guess we, we're lucky enough here that we get to see lots of things that perhaps we, we might not see anywhere else. It's also there, you know, the relationships that we then have with the GPs in town and things like that and referral pathways that are, are easy to build because you only have one other um, organisation you're kind of dealing with. So everybody knows everybody, so it's... It's a family network within a small business. Yeah, so we all work collaboratively together. Yeah, that's really awesome. It's stuff that I know people that have 
clinics in the city will be like, oh my gosh, you have a one-on-one relationship with doctors. This blows my mind. Um, and I think that is a really phenomenal thing about smaller towns that um, we have that capacity to really make a massive difference and be of value to um, the community as well. Now, I know Anna, during COVID, there's been some changes that have come through. Um, and I'm really interested to hear that you managed to create such a positive change within your community during the COVID period. Can you talk me through how your clinic has changed in that period and what you've actually kind of the positive change that you've made due to COVID at the moment? Yeah, look, um, I'm also I'm mindful that not everybody's experience was as positive as mine. Up until just recently, we have been COVID-free, COVID we've in, in January here this year. Previous to that, we were lucky enough to still receive the, the government assistance and cash boosts and all of those sorts of things. And um, I think from my point of view, because we weren't being affected like the, the rest of the mm. world, really, I felt a bit guilty about receiving those funds and so started trying to sort of think outside the box and kind of, you know, Think of how, how can we actually make this a positive for our community and, and not just mm. myself. I guess sort of my own experience as a parent um, having children and not having access to allied health services, speech pathology, occupational therapy, things like that. I saw a big gap in our community and thought, you know, how, how can we actually bridge that gap or help close that gap where we have equality within our own town? Um, like I said, it's mm. 900 kilometres or so to actually access these services or via telehealth. So I had the idea of starting the, the Allied Health Clinic and um, through just networking of people you meet here over the, the time, relationships develop quite quickly here in small communities because no one has family or they're all in a similar sort of boat. So through mutual friends, um, I looked outside the box of how I could get some um, mentoring from uh, speech pathologists or occupational therapists to actually help me create the allied health business that, that we have now. So we've gone from just myself and a receptionist to uh, having 12 other staff. So we have an occupational therapist, a speech pathologist, three allied health assistants that uh, support the occupational therapists and speech pathology programs. Um, so we have those clinicians are visiting at the moment over the past sort of 12 to 18 months, we have had full-time staff here, but with the challenges of the, the area and things like that, it can be quite transient. So we have tried to partner with businesses on the outside that then support us to keep a sustainable model. Um, and try to employ locals for the Allied Health Assisting Program to deliver those programs face-to-face. So, yeah, we've, we've expanded at, a, at an enormous rate. and um, Enormous rate. Congratulations yeah. on that. That is phenomenal. We have a physiotherapist who comes in once a month as well and does a few days, and we also have two nursing staff that rotate through to do different bits and pieces of brain employment medicals and things like that as well. So... We, we are diverse, like the majority of our work um, with the speech pathologists and occupational therapists with the paediatric caseload. Um, the physiotherapist sort of is a little bit more broad range at, at this point in time, but, yeah, it's just always growing and, and developing. Yeah, I think that is such an amazing thing to go from a one practitioner to 12 that quickly. I can imagine the workload and it changes and things so quickly for you to adapt. And I know regional towns come with their own challenges as well as benefits and changes. 
How have you found, I know a lot of people always ask the question of how do I bridge the gap between me and other allied health practitioners? How do you find you bridge the gap with, say, your speech pathologies and your occupational therapist? How do you bridge that gap with you as a myotherapist Mm. actually, you know, like combining and working with those together? Yeah, look, it is, it's definitely challenging. I think for myself, it's been, I've been extremely lucky with the relationships that I've built with the speech pathologists and occupational therapists. And, you know, if anything, they're they're kind of mentors for for myself in that area. Again, like I talked about, the sustainable, you know, business model that, that we have is maintaining those relationships. And, you know, I'm a big believer in if you don't know something, then reaching out or asking for help and guidance is, is the way that you're going to find the answers. Maintaining those relationships is the um, the success of, of where we're going now is, is to make sure that we collaborate together and, and use other businesses and, and leverage off each other and support one another. Those areas, I think it's just being open-minded and, um, and being prepared to learn off them and, mm. and working together. I like that, that it's about coming to a table at the same level as them, um, appreciating their work so we get that same appreciation back. And I think you are absolutely correct with relationships and building and having that respect for each profession is very important. Now, Anna, obviously with the clinic that you have, I know that you've had um, staff that you get in and out. For myotherapists that are looking for work, what do you as a business owner recommend they search for when they're looking for a business to work for? Mm-hmm. I like this uh, I like this question because um, I've spoken a lot about this with uh, the speech pathologists who, who have come through and, you know, in the younger generation that are coming out now, you know, you hear the talk around, A, how much am I going to get as an annual salary? What's our PD <laughs> allowance? And all of those sorts of questions where... Um, <laughs> You know, if you actually sit back and have a look at it, whatever your annual salary is going to be and what PD allowance you're going to get, they're the things that you think, oh, money money's going to buy. You want to look for the things that money can't buy. So, you know, what diverse kind of workplace are you going to be working in? Um, is it an inclusive workplace? Do you want flexible work hours? Do you want to be a part of a team? What's the staff retention rate look like? You know, has, have they got a high turnover? The people only last sort of 12 months and they're moving on or have they got employees who have been there for five years? Because if you've got someone who's been there for five years, you can probably, you know, tick that box that they're okay to work for. You know, just the, the group as a whole, like what's that team uh, experience? Because you're spending every day with that person. You walk out of it. <laughs> out of a room and you've just had this difficult client, you want to be able to go to somebody and say, hey, I tried this and it didn't work. You're going to see that person again next week. Yeah, try that. I tell you, it's going to be more valuable than any two or $3,000 PD allowance is going to be. Um, I cannot fault you on that one. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, all of those things, you know, the more money you want to earn, the harder you're going to have to work in, in your clinic because that business owner has to come up with those funds to, to put it there. You know, the risk lies with that person who started the business um, and it takes a lot to kind of run it. So I think if you can get the opportunity to work alongside somebody who's willing to kind of open that other door and show you or mentor you into even having your own business one day 
the idea is that that you want to kind of give your staff the skills that they can fly on their own but want to stay with you. Um, <laughs> it's a hard so, balance, right? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. But we all understand that, you know, we have our wants and drives of where we want to end up in our career. And I think as a business owner, you want to be able to um, help people get to where they actually want to be. So, you know, looking for those driving forces. What what is it that they're trying to get through the door? What's their their ulterior motive? And um, you mm-hmm. know, at the end of the day, it's about the the clients that, that matter, and, and we're trying to sort of get them better. And if it's about the dollar signs for the business that you're working for, you can you know expect to be burnt out at some point there. So I think you know that that whole driving force of what is that team actually about? I think that's amazing advice, Anna, because it is something that. Probably we don't think of when we first come out, like, you know, like what do they have to provide me to grow my career or where do I, you know, like what opportunities are opening here for me and how much support do I have? Because those new graduates or even us coming out, you know, that are more experienced, we can always have those capacities to learn and grow and change and expand our knowledge. This is a random question I'll throw at you. What are, what do you look for in a staff member? In a staff member? Um, my biggest thing is how well they can just have that conversation with you first up. You know, I think first impressions count. In the interviews and stuff that we've done over the past sort of 12 or 18 months, I think within sort of half an hour I can kind of tell you whether I, I think they're the right candidate. I'm not about, you know, quizzing them on, um, you know, this person walks into your clinic and what are you going to do for them? I want to know that I can get along with you. I, I can get along with you as a person. I think your clients are going to like you. And, yeah, we're going to have less problems there than, you know, if you can come in and give me a textbook answer of what you're going to do with the client. Um, I'd be, alarm bells would be ringing in my mind because I don't work like that. Um, yeah, um, you have to be able to, to be a people person to get along in a team. So I'm, I'm looking for that team player and um, someone who can, yeah, just, just be upfront and honest. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a really good one. And I think particularly, like, even heightened in a regional town or a smaller town that where everyone does know everyone, that connection and rapport is invaluable and probably something that does get missed in our larger city kind of clinics that we just, that connection isn't as much. But no, I really like that. That's a very good one. And probably a very, maybe ask your, the person that you're having the interview with what they want in an employee because that's the kind of answer of a clinic you want to go to. <laughs> Most definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, any last things from you as we finish up today? Any advice for Myos that are out there? Oh, Myos that are out there. I think, um, yeah, if you can get yourself into a clinic that has the multi-modality aspect to it, you're going to grow as a, as a clinician in, in more ways than, than you would imagine. Um, I think you become more open-minded. Mm. One of those things I think is we all need to learn to do a little bit more often is actually popping on the other person's glasses and having a look through that lens and seeing what's yes. going on there. That's probably something that I have learned the most with working with the paediatric caseloads and kids with disabilities and, you know, people not perhaps as privileged as what we are um, and then looking it through their lens and sort of seeing what's, what's going on. So whether it be that you're looking at those lenses through your boss or other employees you're working with or clients, 
and then yeah kind of trying to grow within a person and being more accepting yeah, I think that's phenomenal advice for the Mayos that as our profession very much tries to find its solid place in mm-hmm. allied health that uh, really remember we're there as a team with others and we unfortunately do not hold the golden rule book of everything that we can fix. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. And, yeah, like I say, just um, reaching out and, and asking for help and um, working together as a team. Beautiful. Now, thanks for joining us, Anna. It has been phenomenal for you to share your knowledge. I always love hearing, um, you know, a little bit different stories about different areas and regions that we are from. No doubt our listeners will be watching your space. I am waiting for at least 100% doubling your staff in 12 months. (laughs) We'll see about that, but, yeah, we can. They're the biggest challenges. Keep on doing the amazing work you do, Anna. Um, It's phenomenal to see you doing your work. And thank you so much for joining us today. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. We are dedicated to delivering valuable information to our members. So if you have a guest you'd like to hear from, get in touch with our team ASAP. Don't forget to check out our website for upcoming events and online professional development opportunities. And stay tuned for our next episode of Myo Matters from Myotherapy Australia. Thank you.